Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. We've been in a series called The Beatitudes, and this is week eight of uh, the Beatitudes, and the Beatitudes really come uh, from the book of Matthew, chapter 5, 6, and 7. Jesus is teaching a sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. In the beginning of Matthew, chapter 5, he talks about these Beatitudes. There's eight of them, and this is week eight, but this one is so big that we're going to actually do a two-part series on this one, so we'll close down our series next week on the Beatitudes, but this is part one, but I want to show it to you in Matthew, chapter 5, starting In verse 2, it says, And he began to teach them, and he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Verse 10 is what I want to talk to you today about. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted. We're going to talk about blessed are the persecuted today. I want to talk to you about persecution. Come on, it's going to be a fun one. Somebody help me out. You know what I'm saying? It's week eight. It's the toughest of them all, but I want to talk to you about it today because it's so important as we read in the scripture that Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted. Now, to talk to you a little bit about this before we get into this, I've said this all series long, this term blessed that Jesus is talking about, it's not that he's saying blessed like we think we're rich, like we're, we're satisfied, we have all the money we're, we're hashtag blessed but in fact the word blessed here means actually comes from the greek word and it means happy it means happiness but it doesn't mean circumstantial happiness like you and i would think of so like when we get a nice good tasty burger or a tasty donut all of a sudden we get happy that's not the kind of happiness i'm talking about now i did have someone last week tell me man you really talk a lot about food when you preach and I said, yes, I do, because I like food. Praise God, okay? But that's not what we're talking about, the kind of happiness. The kind of happiness we're talking about is this internal, internal joy that comes that is not circumstantial. No matter what is going on around me, this joy, this blessed, this internal happiness comes from these eight Beatitudes. And this one, he says, this internal joy comes from those who are persecuted. Whoa, stop, pause a second, persecution. How would there be joy for those that are persecuted? Well, I'm glad you asked. We're gonna talk about that a little bit today. But we do see in the scripture, the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter three and verse 12, it says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. This is Paul talking and he's writing to Timothy and he says, listen, I want you to know, he says, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. He doesn't say some people that choose to follow God or some people that are Christians and some people that are not Christians and some people that are, maybe some Christians will, some Christians won't. He says, no, everyone who chooses to live a godly lifestyle will be persecuted. Well, thanks, Paul. Thanks a lot. Great message, real encouraging. This is gonna be a great message. I came on the wrong weekend. Come on, somebody. But here's what he's saying. He wants us to know, listen, if you choose to live a life of godliness, the scripture says with Jesus, he says, blessed are the, are the, are the persecuted for, because of righteousness. If we choose to live a righteous lifestyle, there will be 
persecution. Now, I do want to say this. We, in, in our country, thank God, in the country that we live in, we are not seeing the type of persecution to, in our, for our faith that the people in the Bible saw. You, all throughout the scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, you see all types of, of Christians and believers and people that uh, followed God and loved God all throughout the scripture. You see them, they were persecuted, they were beaten, they, they were put in prison. Some were even killed. There was all types of persecution. And now, because of the country we live in, whether you like it or not, thank God we live in a country where we are not being persecuted like that for our faith. But I will say this, you may know this, you may not. There are other places in our world today that are being persecuted that way. There are people in our world today, 2022, there are people that are being persecuted because of their faith, they're being beaten, they're being put in prison, and some are even being killed because of their faith. And so when we read this scripture, we see, okay, blessed are the persecuted. Oh, that's not relevant to us. Yes, it is, because we're living in a world in a day and an age where, yes, persecution like biblical persecution was, is and was happening then and is happening now. But for us in our country, we're not seeing that. But it doesn't mean that we're not being persecuted. Let me show it to you. Uh, let me read you, excuse me, the meaning of persecution hostility and ill treatment because of race political or religious beliefs hostility or ill treatment based on race political or religious beliefs now jesus is talking about living a righteous life he says blessed are the persecuted because of their righteousness he's talking about the the the, the persecution because of their faith ill treatment or, or I say ill treatment, ill treatment or someone that looks differently at you or someone who, who looks down at you because of your faith. All of us in this room at some point, if probably, and online, have probably faced something where someone has mocked us because of our faith or maybe has looked down on us because of our faith, maybe has, has kind of ignored us or, or kind of strayed away from us because of our faith, kind of distanced themselves because of our faith. I've shared this story many times, but it's true. Every time I get on a flight, I'm sitting next to someone I don't know every single time. I'm a chatty person. Y'all know me. It's all good. And so I'm like, hey, bro, what's going on? Hey, lady, what's your name? And I'm starting to talk. And we're talking. We're chatting. They're happy. We're happy. And we're taking off. Like, woo, okay. And we're talking. And every single time, no joke, it happens every single time. Every single time, I never ask the question, but the question always comes up. At some point in our conversation, the question always comes up, and I never bring it up. But every time the question always comes up, what do you do? So immediately I'm like, well, believe it or not, I'm a pastor. Well, first of all, they're like, you're a pastor. I'm like, do I not look like a pastor? What does a pastor look like? <laughs> but almost every time, I would say 99% of the time, that I, once I say I'm a pastor, 99% of the time, they're like, oh, that's awesome. Look at the window. Wow. <laughs> look out there. Headphones on. Boop, boop, boop. And, and, we, and the, nothing's discussed for the rest of the time. Believe it or not, that is ill treatment based on my faith. That is persecution. It's not persecution like prison and being beaten, but it's being looked at differently or treated differently. So that can be considered and is considered persecution. Now, when I was younger, I used to get offended. Like, what are they, why can't they talk to me because I'm a pastor? Ah! But now it is what it is. Like I know I tried as long as I can. I go as long as I can in the conversation because I know after that I got to put my beats on because I got nobody to talk to. You know what I'm saying? I go as long as I can. At some point it comes up. 
And I used to be offended by that. Now I understand. No, blessed are the persecuted. The scripture says, 2 Timothy, we will, if you choose to live a godly lifestyle, you are going to be persecuted at some point in your life. Someone is going to look negatively at you or someone's going to treat you illly or someone's going to distance themselves from you. Someone maybe, for those that are young people in the room, someone may not invite you to something because if you're a Christian and you see it on the gram, come on somebody and you're like, oh, my friend's smiling, why, I'm, why I ain't get to go? Blessed are those. Eternal joy comes to those who are persecuted. We have to know that there is going to be persecution. We will all face some sort of persecution in our lives. And I want to show you what the enemy tries to do to, with using persecution in our lives. And we see it in Acts chapter four when the, the disciples, Peter and John, become persecuted by preaching about Jesus. It says in verse one, the priests and the captains of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John and because it was evening, they put him in jail until the next day. What the enemy tries to do with persecution? They're being persecuted here and they get put in prison. You know, the enemy tries to use persecution to silence our voice. They said they're teaching about Jesus, they're talking about Jesus, put them in prison. No one will hear them. Wait till tomorrow, we'll figure out what to deal with them. Just put them in isolation, let nobody hear what they're saying and then we'll deal with it later. And this is what the enemy tries to do with persecution. Persecution, he tries to use persecution in things that happen, uh, whether it's someone treats us illy or someone hates on us or someone mocks us or someone di distances themselves from us. It, it's this concept of this thought process that comes of where we feel like, okay, maybe I shouldn't talk about Jesus then. Maybe, maybe, I, shouldn't bring it up. maybe I shouldn't bring it up at work because I don't want someone to think that I, I'm a Jesus freak. And it can cause us to think this process and the enemy can use it to, to, to silence our voice. Now, I love this because in the scripture, and it's so specific, the Bible doesn't say that Peter and John were talking about their standards. They weren't talking about what they thought was right and what they thought was wrong. They weren't sharing and speaking and preaching about those things to people. It says in the scripture in verse two, we can read it again. In verse two, it says that uh, they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They were speaking about Jesus. Oftentimes, Christians, we talk too much about our standards and we don't talk enough about Jesus. Why? Because my standards don't change people, but my Jesus does. We talk too much about what we think is right and what we think is wrong. And we'll get on the internet and we'll start posting, oh, this is right. And we got our little friend that's like, you know, the one friend that we know is going to amen us. They like give us the love button. They don't give us the like button. They give us the love button. Like, amen, brother or sister. Yeah. And we feel so good about ourselves. And, we just, and we're talking about all our standards and what's right and wrong. When we should be spending the energy just talking about Jesus. What would it look like as a culture, as a society, for those of us that call ourselves Christians, what would it look like if we spent the energy that we spend talking about what's right and wrong and we just start, start talking and sharing about Jesus? What would it look like if we got into the, by the water fountain instead of talking about what so-and-so did and what so-and-so didn't do and what so-and-so does and what so-and-so doesn't do, we just talk about Jesus and how good he is? What would it look like in our schools if we just started talking about how good Jesus is? Why? Because Jesus is the one that changes people, not us. But for some reason, human nature thinks I gotta share and gotta stand up for what I believe and I gotta stand up for what I think is right. And that's true. 
We should stand up for what is right. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying everybody go home and that's not what I'm saying. We should stand up for what is right. But I think this is more important that we would first stand up and shout the name of Jesus before we shout you're right or you're wrong. I want to shine for Jesus long before I shout at people. I want to shine for Jesus long before I shout at people. You're like, you're shouting at me. Yeah, I know. Sorry, that's what I do. But we can get so caught up in our culture and our society to think, well, we got to stand up for it. We got to yell for this. We got to shout. And that's great. But we should first say, okay, no, I know. Let me tell you something. My standards don't change anyone around me. My standards is not going to change my workplace. My standards are not going to change. What's going to change my workplace? What's going to change my family? What's going to change my friends? It's Jesus and only Jesus. Jesus, only Jesus. I didn't even know they were singing that song, and that's what we're talking about. That's because it's Jesus. And so it's important that we would understand this. Again, we, it, we get caught up in thinking we got to argue with people, and we got to argue who's right and who's wrong. we got to argue what way you're supposed to do it, which way you're not supposed to do it. Let's stop arguing with people, and let's just start teaching and talking about Jesus. I'm going to shine long before I yell. Acts chapter 4 and verse 17, they put him in prison and then they get him out and they talk to him, the, the, the leaders, and they talk to him. They say, in verse 17, it says, but to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, they're talking amongst themselves, we must warn them, talking about Peter and John, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in his name. Then they called uh, them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. They said, listen, I want you to come in. I want you to know I'm, I'm bringing you back and we brought you in prison. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to know. Listen, I want you to go do whatever you gotta do. Talk about what you gotta talk about. Just don't mention the name of Jesus. And this is what persecution does. Persecution tries, the enemy tries to use persecution to, to lower our standards. I've had people, maybe this has happened to you, maybe it hasn't. I've had people say in their companies and different things where they say, hey, I want you to come and pray. You're a pastor. Yeah, man, you're a pastor. Come and pray for our business. All right, I'll pray for our, your business. Hey, but listen, don't just, just pray, but don't pray in the name or mention the name of Jesus. I'm like, you got the wrong person. Sorry, see you later. Because here's what it is. Because of Jesus is the reason why we can pray. We can be heard because of, without Jesus, we can't be heard. Without Jesus, we can't have our prayers answered. So there's no point in praying if I can't pray to Jesus because he is the reason and the source of why we are able to be heard by the God of the universe and in right relationship with God and have eternal life because of him. But this is what persecution will try to do. It'll try to get us to, to lower our standards. Oh, well, you know, you didn't get invited because, you know, sometimes like, like, you know, you go to church a lot and like sometimes like, you know, like we start to feel uncomfortable because you, you like, you don't do these things that we do. And it, what can happen is it can get us to think, well, maybe we should, maybe we should just change some of our standards then so people will, will, will like us. And we'll start to compromise based on people's opinions. And let me tell you something, this is true. The, the greatest, quickest way to compromise is people-pleasing. The quickest way to compromise is people-pleasing. Why? Because other people's opinions will, uh, I say the other people's, the world's opinions of us will always get us to try to conform to what the world looks like. But Jesus, the Bible says, tries to transform us into the, his likeness and newness. But if we're so worried about pleasing people, all we're going to do, if we're worried about pleasing people at our job and worried about pleasing people and what they think at our school and at our, in our neighborhoods, and if we're so worried about those things, then here's what happens. We start to conform into this, 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 this individual 
And we begin to look like the world. The Roman says, the Bible says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And here's what happens oftentimes. Our compromise can usually become something that's close to us that we overlook. Compromise can oftentimes be something close to us that we overlook, and because we overlook it, we begin to compromise it in our standards in life. Let me explain. There's this, there's this illustration. Uh, we were, had our small group this Thursday morning with our men, and on Thursday morning, one of the men, he said, you know, you ever seen that TV show where the guy goes into the restaurants, and he's in the restaurant, and it's, the restaurants are just completely disgusting. They're just on their last leg, and they're literally, they're just giving up all hope, and so they bring in this one guy to try to revive the restaurant, and then he goes into these places, and he goes into these kitchens and the first thing they show is they show the kitchen and the kitchen is just completely disgusting. And he was saying how one kitchen, there was mold growing all over the stove and growing up the walls and, and just like all this disgusting thing. And my thought process is this, who could cook in this? Who in the world would enjoy like waking up and like, man, this is a good area to flip some burgers in. You know what I'm saying? Man, this looks, this is, this is so great. But it's interesting because mold and dirt and funk and things like that don't just all of a sudden they're there and one night they're there, the next night they're not there. Or one night they're not there, excuse me, and the next night they are there. But happens is over time of just doing what you normally would do, he's just flipping his burgers or he's just making his steaks and some mold grows and he forgets to clean it and some mold grows and some dirt happens and he's just, he kind of ignores it. And next thing you know, the mold's just growing around him and now life is so normal that he's just flipping burgers. burgers. He doesn't even notice it, but everybody else does. It's the same thing with compromise in our lives where we can have someone close to us that maybe believes something different to us and because we love them or because they're a family member to us and so we're close to them and so because we love them and we know God, like God loves them and so maybe because they believe this, maybe, you know what, because I love them, I don't, want to, I don't want to offend them, I don't want to hurt their feelings and so maybe I start to compromise my standards because I want to continue being close with them and next thing you know, because we're close, I overlook understanding that the enemy is using this to compromise the standards that he's called me live by is this okay does this make sense everybody's like what uh, persecution it's a good one <laughs> but we can't allow the enemy to use persecution to lower our standards and this is what will happen we'll start to feel like we're hated on so we don't want to be hated on we don't want to be offensive and we don't want and i'm not saying being mean that's not what i'm talking about that, that is not what i'm talking i'm not talking about being mean to people but we we don't want to be offensive and let me tell you something the truth is offensive the bible that i read offends me the bible that i read offends me and in fact, if the Bible that I read doesn't offend me, I usually gotta check something because something ain't right in my life because I'm probably overlooking something because the Bible I read, it, it's, it offends me because it points out and shows me who I really am. And so, okay, well, we, we, we get close to people and I, I don't wanna get offensive and I, they, they're hating on me or they're ignoring me or people at work are distancing themselves or people at work like think I'm this Jesus freak that goes to that church. Like, I'm proud to be that church. Come on, somebody. You know? And it's, it's like, oh, well, I don't wanna do it. So I'm just gonna kind of be, I'm gonna be quiet. I'm gonna let people do what they do. I'm gonna do my thing. And, and what can happen is it can cause us to begin to lower our standards and it's all because of things going on around us and persecution around us. And we think, oh, it's just just who we are and oh it's just life and we're just trying to make make people feel good around us and that's all great but if it lowers our standards we're off
It's important that we understand this. And so this is what the enemy does to try to create moments and things in our lives. He uses this persecution to do those things. I want to show you what we should let persecution do in our lives that we see with Peter and John. Acts chapter 4 and verse 19 says, but Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. These men go to Peter and John. They say, listen, don't, don't say anything. We're going to let you go. We're going to leave you alone. Don't say anything. We're going to take you out of prison. We're going to let you go home, let you be with your families. Don't say anything about Jesus. And I love Peter and John's response. They say, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. See, persecution is meant to deepen our convictions. I love that prison and people mocking them and people uh, 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 telling them not to talk about Jesus and not to do these things. I love that it didn't scare them or, or kind of make them more timid. In fact, it deepened their convictions and said, you know what? No, we understand. This is what God has called us to do, so this is what we're gonna do. This is what I have to do. So we can't stop. Why? Because my obedience to God is more important than your opinion of me. What God has called me to do and what God has called me and how he's called me to live is more important to me than whether you invite me to the club or not. Got real quiet with the college students. It's all right. You know what I'm saying? You, you, think, about, you think about the hips being moved. Nope, 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 nope. My, my obedience to God is more important than, my, than your opinion of what you think of me. You may think I'm a Jesus freak. All right. I'm a Jesus freak. You may think that I'm one of those people that just loves everybody and just wants to be kind to everybody and just one of those goody, good, nice people. All right, that's fine. Whatever you want to think of me is fine because I know my obedience to him is more important than what you think of me. And until we get to that place as Christians, until we get to that place as Christians, we will constantly fall back into caring and moving and shifting and the way culture is shifting. Persecution is meant to deepen our convictions. Say, listen, it doesn't matter. You can say that. You can say don't stop. You can say stop. You can say don't talk. You can say don't teach. You can say don't talk about Jesus. Don't teach about Jesus. Don't talk. Don't pray to Jesus. You can tell me all that. But let me tell you something. I can't do that. Why? Because my obedience to him is more important than what you think of me. And I love Peter and John. The Bible is so specific. I love the Bible. In verse, in verse uh, 18, check this. Not verse 18, excuse me, verse 20. It says, we cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. We cannot stop telling everyone about everything we have seen and heard. Notice they don't say, we can't stop telling everyone what we know. We can't stop telling everybody the information that we learned. Isn't it interesting? Oh my goodness, the Bible is so specific and I love it. It says, I, I, we can't stop telling you and others what we have seen and what we have heard. See, oftentimes we base our Christianity on our knowledge and our understanding of what we think is and isn't. But that will, when persecution happens, that will fade away, that will swipe us down, that will cause us to conform. But God wants us to be people that base our Christianity and our walk and our faith with God on what we've experienced in him. See, let me tell you something. You can have somebody that knows the Bible and you can convince them to love Jesus. But I know this, if I can convince you to love Jesus, someone else can convince you to not love Jesus. But then you take someone who's been depressed 
You take someone who's in their bedroom and they, they have a knife in their hand or thinking about cutting themselves and you take someone who calls out to God and God rescues them in that moment and they've experienced his freedom. Let me tell you something. You can't convince that person that God ain't real. You can tell me all you want that, that God can't help you, God can't save you, God's not real, the Bible is irrelevant. Let me tell you something. You can say, no, I'll tell you what. You may think all that thing, that stuff and that's fine, but I know this. I serve a God that I've experienced and I know that he loves me and he's freed me and he's saved me. And so say whatever you want, but you're going to continue to help me deepen my convictions in God. Why? Because I know my experience with him cannot be taken from me. You can't take my experience from God. You can't take the times he's provided when no one else could. You can't take the times where he's healed when the doctor said he can't be healed. You can't take away those times. Why? And so this is what happens. It deepens my convictions. And so it allows me to say, I can't stop talking about him. Why? Because you may not like it, but I know who he is and I know he's so good. And so I got to share it with everyone around me because I know Jesus changes everything. You're like, man, this guy yells a lot. Yeah, I do. I'm sorry. But here's what I know. We too oftentimes allow our information and our knowledge to try to be the driving force of our pursuit. And the driving force of our pursuit is our relationship with him, not our knowledge of him. And if we, don't, if, we don't, if we don't remember where he's taken us, then when we get to a place where we can't, we, we, we can't see him again, we'll fall and conform back into the patterns of this world. But we must always remember what he's done. That's why he said, I can't stop talking about what I've seen and I've heard because I know he's good. You can say he's not, but I know he is because I've seen it and I've heard it in my own life. Acts chapter 4 and verse 23. It says, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported that the chief priests and the elders had said to them, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. We gotta let persecution deepen our, 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 our convictions, our passions, but then also let persecution deepen our relationship with him. Deepen our relationships. I love this, they are in prison. I mean, you gotta go to the time period and where they are, they're in prison because they were sharing about Jesus. They get brought in front of the leaders and they're told, listen, you can't, don't talk about Jesus anymore. Don't do it. We're commanding you not to. They said, but well, we're going to let you go. They go home. They get with their friends. I love that they get with their church. They get with the people of God and they, they gather and they start to share what was happening. They give them the report. And it, I love it. The Bible says that they all, the whole church, begins to celebrate and honor God in prayer. They start to shout to God in prayer. I love this. See, if this was me, maybe just me, maybe just me. If I would have been in the moment of it like this, I would have got around my church friends and I'm like, can you believe what they did to me? They put me in prison. It was dark. And there were bugs. <laughs> the toilet didn't have a seat on it. I can't believe they would persecute me like this. God, why are you doing this? And I'd have everybody around me probably, honestly, everybody around me be like, yeah, <laughs> it's so terrible. <laughs> God. <laughs> and I'd have myself a pity party. And here's the thing, I'd walk away. I'd be like, man, I feel good about myself. <laughs> but isn't it interesting they didn't throw a pity party? 
In fact, they celebrated and worshiped and prayer, celebrating what God had done. Why? Because I believe this. They knew that God was the only one that could save them, that could rescue them, that could heal them, that could restore them, that could free them. And so here's what's interesting. They didn't, go to their, they didn't go to some relationship and say, oh, would you help me? Here's what they did. They said, we just want to celebrate and honor God. Why? Because here's what I know. This is who we are as humans. When we're in trouble, we will always go to the one that we know can fix the problem. When we are in trouble, any trouble we go through, we will always go to the one that we know can fix the problem. If, we're, if we are in a place where we're financially broke and we can't pay a bill, we're not going to go to a collection, collection, can't even talk, collection agency and say, hey, would you loan me some money? Uh, no, that's not what we do. We take money from you. We don't give it to you. Or like this, let's say this. Let's say you, your car breaks down. If your car broke down, your car's, you, you're on the side of the road. You're not going to be like, my car's broken down. Okay, let me call Jordan. Why? Because I'm not a mechanic. Here's what I'm going to do. You're going to call me? Let me answer. Hey, man, what's going on? Hey, I'm broken down. Okay. Uh, can you help me? Uh, I can pick you up. Can you fix the car? No. Why? Because that's not what I'm good at. You're going to call a mechanic if your car's broke down. If, if you broke your leg, if your leg's all broke, and you broke your leg, you're, gonna, you're not going to call your Wi-Fi or your, your internet provider. Could you imagine you break your leg and you yell at one of your friends, call Xfinity, Hurry! Your friend's going to be like, why? Just, just call him, please, call Xfinity. You call Xfinity. Hey, man, uh, what's going on? Uh, yeah, my friend, oh, my number, yeah, my number's 225. And you tell him the number? Okay, yeah, and my, your friend's yelling, my friend, yeah, he's there, he's yelling. Yeah, that's him, that's my friend. Uh, yeah, he, he said to call you, uh, he's got a broken leg. Xfinity provider's going to be like, you want a gig of internet or what do you want? They're not going to help. Why? When you break your leg, you go to the doctor. Why? Because when you're time of trouble, you always go to the one that you know can fix the problem. It's the same thing with God. Isn't it interesting that all throughout the scripture, Old Testament and New, whenever the church, people of God, Christians, godly men and women who follow God, when they were persecuted, isn't it interesting that faith and, and church and God grew? In fact, in Acts, you can read it, it said it grew by the thousands daily because of how much persecution was happening. Why? Because it was driving people to their relationship with God because they knew, and we should know the same. If I'm persecuted, let it not cause me to run away from God, but let it drive me closer in my relationship with God. Why? Because I know he is the only one that can free me, that can heal me, that can save me, that can restore me, and so I'll run to him in my trouble because he is the source of everything that I need. Why? Because in him, he, everything can change. Let our faith deepen. Let our relationship deepen. This is why we are able to walk and live through persecution. Acts chapter 4 and verse 29 as I close today. It says, now, Lord, consider their threats. This is the prayer it said. Just, we just read a moment ago. They prayed to God. This is the prayer that they read, that they prayed. Excuse me. It says, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. 
Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Persecution. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Persecution. It's a fun one. Let it not be something that we allow the enemy to use to lower our standards. Let it not be something that we allow the enemy to cause us to silence our voices and silence uh, us talking and sharing about Jesus, but let it be something that we allow to deepen our convictions, our standards, our roots. Let it be something that we allow to deepen our relationship with him, that it drives us to pursue him closer. But then also, let it be something that deepens, let persecution deepen our boldness in him. I love this because in verse 29, it says, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servant to speak your word with great boldness. Boldness is not a personality. Boldness is not someone who is an extrovert. Oftentimes, because someone who is loud, they think they're loud or they're bold. That is not the case at all. Boldness has nothing to do with a personality trait. Boldness has to do with a passion in our hearts. Boldness is this. I'm so passionate about something that I have to talk about it. Doesn't matter if they're, they're an extrovert. Doesn't matter if they're an introvert. None of that matters. Doesn't matter if they're loud. Doesn't matter if they're quiet. Boldness is a passion in our soul that says, I'm so passionate about whatever that thing is that I'm bold about, I have to share about it. And I love this because it says they are praying and they say, God, give us a great boldness. If this would have been me again, and I would have just got out of prison, and I would have got around my homies, and after my little pity party, I probably would have prayed a prayer, and I probably would have said, God, smite every one of them. I would have said, oh, God, I, I know you got fired down. I mean, rain it down so hard, God, burn it up. I'm talking about, don't, I don't even want to see the ashes. Let the ashes float away. And as the ashes float away, I'm praising you in every ash. <laughs> that would have been me. But isn't it interesting? They don't pray to God, God smite them, or God fix them, or God change them. They actually pray about themselves. And they say, God, in this struggle of persecution that we're facing, give us boldness. And I love the boldness that he asked they pray. If we go to verse 30, give them bold, verse, bold, verse 30, that's boldness. And then verse 30, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant. God, give us a boldness to believe for the impossible. The Bible says that Nothing is, nothing is impossible with God. When's the last time you prayed a bold prayer? A prayer that was impossible in our eyes, impossible in man and woman's eyes, impossible in culture's eyes. And we begin to pray a prayer. Instead of complaining about the culture not changing and the culture just going to all different sorts of ways. And all, what if we started to believe in such a bold way that we said we know God can change people from the inside out? 
What if we started to pray? I love it. They said they, they performed signs and wonders. What if we started to pray bold prayers and say, God, would you heal people that are sick? Here's the question I have to ask you. I have to ask myself, when's the last time that we were so passionate about Jesus and believed so boldly about Jesus that we went to someone who was sick and we said, hey, let me pray for you. Why? Because I believe in a God who can heal you. Christianity is not about just us being comfortable in our church, in our pews, in our rows, and us just hanging out and singing some good songs. Those things are great, but those things are meant to build us up, to get us out into that world, to live a life of boldness for him. Bold to believe, but then bold to pray. God, I believe you can change my family member who's been, who's been away from you for 20 years, but God, I believe you can do it. And so God, when I pray, I'm not just gonna be like, God, please, please, please. No, I'm gonna pray bold prayers. I'm gonna believe it and pray, God, I know you can change them and you can use them for your glory and you can use them for your kingdom. And the best is yet to come. When's the last time we prayed bold prayers? Because we can get so caught up with life and the persecution of life that we can start to become timid in our prayers. And now it's almost as Christians, now we're just trying to make it through this life so that we can spend eternity with him. Oh my goodness, can I encourage you for a moment. Uh, God, the God that we serve has such a better life for you and me than just making it on this planet so we can get to eternity. No, the Bible says that he's given us all authority in Christ and so that now we can walk boldly with him. Persecution, it's a good one. Can I encourage you? When's the last time you prayed bold? See, this is why I think sometimes God allows persecution to happen because it deepens our, our convictions and it deepens our relationships with him. And then what happens is it ends up deepening our, our boldness for him. And so now, because we know there's no one like him and no one can do what he does. And so now this overflowing of boldness comes out and this faith is built up in us. And it's all because what the enemy tried to use to push us down, God uses to build us up. Let us be a church. Oh my goodness, hear me today. Let us be a church. And when I say a church, I don't mean a building. I mean a group of individuals that would live so boldly for him that everywhere that we go, we're shining for him. We're loving people. We're serving people. We're talking to, about, to people about Jesus. We're not timid in what we say and we're continuing to love. Why? Because we know no matter what happens around us or to us, we know he's greater. And so let us always, hear me, I'm closing, I promise. Let us always be a people that understand, blessed are the persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When we're persecuted, it's just a fruit of the, 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 the outward expression, if you will, the fruit of a lifestyle, of a godly or righteous lifestyle. And that godly and righteous lifestyle is us understanding and knowing that lifestyle leads to eternal life, the kingdom of heaven. And so now we understand when we face persecution, let us celebrate it. Why? Because God wants to deepen something in us so great that we can continue to live a life that is bold for him. Let us be a church that shines not shouts, 
at people, but shines for Jesus and lets others around us, no matter where we go, no matter where we work, no matter what, we, what school we go to, no matter what classroom we're in, no matter what business we are in, that no matter where it is, that we would constantly and always shine for him. It's an expression of boldness, believing and praying that God can do the impossible. What would it look like if a group this size, just in this room, not even online, a group this size started really believing bold and praying bold prayers. What would God do in the city of Tallahassee? I believe he would change our city. I believe he would change our culture. I believe he would change our nation. I believe it, I, it all starts with a group of individuals that say, I want to live bold for Christ. Amen. Can we pray today? Father, I thank you so much.